Okay, welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm your host, Paul, and I'm here today with my friend. <laughs> I think I called you family member last time. I well, don't know I mean, what we the were, fuck to call you. We were family. <laughs> were? What do you mean? Well, we even, by the way, I'm Trip Mitchell and uh, Paul's uh, brother-in-law. And tonight, you got a blast from the past. We were doing our podcast, Let's Do Something Even If It's Wrong, down at our studio in South Salt Lake. And Mikey, your old neighbor from Creek Road. Yes, Mikey. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was bizarre. That was 35 years ago. And uh, it's funny how when all of a sudden you get on the back nine of your life, Mm -hmm. you run into people. And up at Snowbird, I ran into a friend the other day I hadn't seen in 30 years. Really? And it just, it, it is over in a blink of an eye. Just like that. It really is. Well, I, I moved here 40 years ago. That, that's how long ago I moved to Salt Lake. I know. And, and it, we are, <laughs> we're sliding towards the back end. Yes. But you wanted to talk about we're, we're, the yeah. year. and I do. I want to talk about the year. And even though this is generally a podcast about addiction, recovery, and mental health, um, we, we could, I want to talk about the year, what it's been like. Um, the ups and downs of this year, the frustrations of this year, the hope going forward. Um, we can talk politics, religion. We can talk about anything. This has been an interesting year, especially living here in Utah. Well, and we are a lot of us who hate Trump with every fiber of our being. <laughs> it has been a year that he dominates. I mean, that fucker sends out a tweet. He's a master marketer. He is. And I wake up. At 5.30 in the morning, watch Morning Joe, just to hear the bad shit about him. And they hate him. <laughs> they really hate him. No, they him. do. They, they, it, it gets vitriolic. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and, but here's a guy who, I'm convinced, Paul, he did not want to be president. He just didn't want to lose. No. Yeah. He, well, he, like, he wanted to prove a point more than anything else. Is I'm, I'm the Donald. You know? Yeah, I can do anything. Yeah. He is like, there's a woman named Rosie Ruiz who ended up winning the Boston Marathon back in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. And what happened is she was paid a $1,000 bonus by her boss to run the marathon. She ran the first three miles, got on, a, on the trolley, <laughs> got off at Kenmore Square, looked and waited around five minutes, saw a bunch of runners go by, jumped in the race then, and ended up winning the women's marathon. And she couldn't get out of it. And she was proved to be a fake a year later. Yeah, but right. Greta White's the greatest women's runner of all, all time finished second. And you see these two up on the award stand. And Rosie Ruiz was not a small woman. She was about a buck eighty, five eleven, and Greta White's was five eleven, forty two pounds. Right, right. And yeah. a, a long I, distance runner. Yeah, <laughs> which I, in I comparison think, is. <laughs> oh my God, Trump didn't want to lose. Yeah, and it can be traced back to the White House Correspondents' Dinner back in two thousand eleven when Seth Meyers yes. was the host. Oh, and yeah. and Barack Obama made fun of him and roasted him a little bit. Actually, oh. a few people roasted him, but but Barack's was probably one of the one of the better ones. I oh, thought, yeah, yeah, Barack Obama. I mean, because he he roasted him for the birther stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, and every you know, and he, he he it was really the irony of this. And boy, we're getting into the woods here, or into the weeds, <laughs> I should say. The irony is he his bit was about on the Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Getting Getting to fire Meatloaf or who's the crazy one, Gary Busey. Gary Busey, Busey yeah. right, yeah. Those are the decisions that keep me up at night. Ironically, that night is when Obama made the decision to go after bin Laden. That's right. That's true, yeah. So it was yeah. a Saturday night yeah. he made that decision. And Trump, everything you read here, he doesn't take the job seriously. He doesn't read. He He's not... You know, he's a Fordham. He got into Fordham. Now, sure. he transferred to Penn. Yeah. He's made a lot of money, but he started with a lot of money. Yeah. And it's been said that if he took the money that his father gave him. And just invested it. No, no just no. put it in a bank account. Okay. Yeah. He would have more money Just like now. in a money, money market account. <laughs> and I've had friends who have worked for him. And I've interviewed him. And, you know, he is. So one of the best stories, a buddy of mine. Well, did, your nephew you know, shot pictures of him. Oh, in fact, in fact, his inauguration picture was shot by Patrick, my son. Yes. Wow. And so yeah. my buddy Larry did <laughs> video for Trump University. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so Trump would do this thing like 
meet so-and-so. He is a genius at real estate. I've groomed him. I hired him. He will teach you how to buy these homes and then sell them at a higher price. He's a genius. And then they'd yell, cut. And Trump would go, who in the fuck's that asshole? Did I get him from 7-Eleven? He never met any of these guys. He has no morals. He he literally is a horrible human being who's in the most important job in the world. How do you really feel, Trump? Oh, my God. And uh, my significant other, I won't get into what she did as a uh, reflection of Jeff Sessions, but mm-hmm. put it this way, she dissed him, and two weeks later he was fired. Oh, But anyway, so I think this year has been dominated for a lot of us by things that we normally, if Hillary had won, we wouldn't be worrying about all this. We wouldn't be paying attention because we'd have adults in the room. Sure. We wouldn't be talking about the same things we're talking about. Yeah. Most likely. I mean, who knows what what, what could have happened, but... Did this podcast, did you feel yourself losing control early on? No, no. In fact, I I kind of hoped we would just kind of go by the seat of our pants today. Um, I'll tell you one thing, though, that uh, that always struck me uh, this past year in watching... um, the, the the pathology of a human being and, and being a therapist and and doing this and it's it's easy to diagnose someone that you see or hear about every day with you know with mental illness and it it's probably not the healthiest thing to do as someone in my field but we end up doing that and and you know the the most common diagnosis that comes around is narcissism or being you know suffering from narcissistic personality disorder where you know they're so consumed with themselves and their way of thinking and their view of the world and they think that they're the best and they have the best of everything and nobody can think as well or come up with the same kind of um, ideas that they do and if everyone just saw the world the way they did and this is this is what narcissism is about is that that everyone else would be fine, but until everyone sees the world the how way. How many people, out of 100 people, how many might have narcissistic personality disorder? Um, that's a f- great question, because I've, I've heard the same kind of thing attached to, like, CEOs and, and, and people in business, and there's a number that's like says, like, 7% or, I don't know if that's true, or 10% um, of CEOs have um, some type of a narcissistic disorder or a personality disorder. Um, but gen- general population, maybe 3%. You know, overall, it's 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 not high. It's a horrible disorder to be around. <laughs> Seriously, if you're the spouse of someone who is a narcissist, yeah. But I think in showbiz, <laughs> it's everyone popular. Has sure, it. oh. yeah, it's popular. Yeah, because I, I mean, you know, you were a musician when you were younger, and the odds on making it in music are one in a million. True, yeah. acting. <laughs> I mean, even worse. And as an example, Danny DeVito. And Michael Douglas were roommates in New York. Oh. And can you imagine going over to their department and seeing Michael Douglas, classically handsome, Kirk Douglas' son, yeah. saying he's going to make it as an actor. Yeah. And then Danny DeVito said, I'm going to make And he's arguably had a better career. But I use <laughs> that as hilarious. an analogy. They're I mean, in a series right now together, you know. Are they? The, um, the Kaminsky Method, which uh, Michael Douglas is the star of, and he was the producer of it, with um, Alan Arkin. But uh, Danny DeVito plays plays as proctologist. Oh, that's <laughs> Alan Arkin is a genius. But the analogy I was going to make is, is in acting, you so many thousands of people go for every role. Yeah. yeah. And I have an agent who's gotten me some work, but I've I've categorically determined I'm not going out in any more auditions. Seriously. Because she'll call me up and say, you're going to get this. You got this. And I go there, and there are 30 other assholes. So one role was for, I, uh, I forget who it was for, but they needed a sarcastic newsman, uh-huh. which is what I was in sarcastic newsman. I mean, that was me. And You were typecast. What are you saying? Yeah, but there, every other ex-anchor in the market uh-huh. uh, was there. And, you know, you're going up against 30 people. Uh-huh. And you can be the best. You, so it's a tremendous waste of time. You know, you got to go get dressed. You got to... Put on a suit. You got to go sit for the audition. If I was single, it'd be great because it's a great way to meet mm-hmm. women. But aside from that, it's insane. And we had an actor in on Monday shooting some video for him. This kid could act. He is flat out great, but he's never going to make it. What is because the odds? <laughs> you know, it's if you did you tell him this? <laughs> oh, oh, I, oh, hell yes! And I got him on the phone with a buddy of mine who owns a television network uh-huh. to tell him that. Yeah, right. And he's going to move to you know. You got to follow your dreams. But if if you're you know to be an actor, you have to have the same confidence that you do when you go buy a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. 
it's never going to hit, mm-hmm. but you got to do it. <laughs> you gotta, right. you gotta if you it don't, you, you never know, but right? In, in music, when <laughs> did you know that you weren't going to make it? <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I, I knew it. I knew it probably a year, you know, if not even a year into it, I knew. But but I also changed my way of looking at it, too, which is more like I'm just going to go have a good time. Well, we have a band in here that in our artist community. Oh, yeah. Here. By the way, we're in Trip Studio tonight, I should say. We're, yeah. we're not in my, my office. No, no, no. And, and so we're recording on state-of-the-art equipment. I hope it works. But our studio is we have a couple thousand square feet and we've got a recording studio near rehearsal studio so it's this is artist this is a great location i mean really and it's a nice studio i don't know if you were joking when you said god this is the night when you came into my studio and you said my office and you said this is the nicest podcast studio i've ever been in i'm thinking what is yours like and i'm walking around here thinking this is great you should uh, brian who's an artist he they just did a shoot here for kind of the top hair the academy awards of the hair design industry and and the artists who shot here have won everything so it really is a great facility but <laughs> what are those awards called like the the fluffies or I, something I, I no that is not for the por- fluffers for the porn industry no but we have a lot of super talented people down here and brian my office mate his wife was posing topless and mm-hmm. i was out back doing some stuff and i walked through and i tried to be discreet and he's <laughs> engaging me in conversation while his wife is standing there's a gorgeous woman and and uh, but it, it's a, a great not to disparage this place it's fun because being around artists but getting back to the music so one of the bands that rehearse there the guys are all in our age mm-hmm. they're never going to make it but and they have played big they're on their declining but they're like me in hockey. Yeah, you know what? Okay. You, you might have to pay to do it, but it's still fun to you're do still, and you're, you're good at You're it. still going to do it, right? Yeah. And it can be entertaining. Our hockey, the other night, we were, if a game, one of our games sells out, they can get probably 2,500 people into the Kearns Oval where mm-hmm. the Olympics were. Yeah, yeah. We had one person. <laughs> for a 945 game and that person i think was hungover and drunken but it's still injury injury reserve or something well but it's still fun to do things that you know you're never you're never going to be as good as you were yeah yeah and i, I play with i still play yeah. music you know i started playing again a couple of years ago and i love it i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't change anything oh shit i mean you know to still be able to do something that gives you pleasure yeah you know, it's part of being happy. Yeah. And, you know, happy is the one thing that we can kind of control. Yeah. Most and, people don't do well, a good contentment job. anyway. At least, cont- I think contentment we can control. But happy, yeah, you know, it's going to come and go. So I had a woman in, so I'm lucky enough to be working with a former newsman in the market, Randall Carlisle. And we're doing a podcast together here, and he is working at Odyssey House. Yeah. And so we had one of their clients in the other day, and this woman is going to be going to prison in February, but is still be getting her act together now (laughs) prior to going in. And that's really admirable. And this woman was happy. Oh, so you you experienced that. Yeah, I mean, you saw this. You you witnessed it. Yeah, she was in, and uh, she was part of a group here. I need you to ad lib for a second. (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm moving the set around. (laughs) Okay. As quickly as possible, we're we're going here. Oh, uh, oh, oh, I see. She was part of the Sundowners, and we, I had some of a, these people look familiar. Yeah, oh, I mean, we, it's shocking how many people Sundowners were a motorcycle gang who sold a lot of narcotics in Salt Lake, and I've got a uh, one of their kind of a. A background when a lot of these guys were prosecuted by my lovely um, friend and so they actually did not like her much but anyway i found this in the garage oh and goodness. it's amazing that we have people come into the studio to do a show who not only know some of the sundowners yeah. who have uh, all been incarcerated for a while <laughs> but maybe visited and purchased some of their souvenirs as it were <laughs> so but anyway it's so weird to have a person who's totally fucked literally going to be going to prison yeah. for a number of years and have a positive attitude yes no and i i agree and i agree there are there are there are people i deal with those people like that every day and i can find the negatives yeah in the world i mean i can you know and, and but it is funny if you can somehow 
have a positive attitude. Mm-hmm. As easy, if you could sell that, you'd be the richest person yeah. in the world. So let, let's do this. Let's. Speaking of which, so we we talked about. Um, the uh, we talked about the mental health issues at the, at the top of the the leader of our country, yeah. <laughs> generally speaking, and and t- and talked about his his problems. But what is, what are some of the things you're grateful for this year, Trip? Um, let's see. I'm engaged. Congratulations! And be getting married next year. I'm very thankful of that. I'm thankful of podcasting. I am now uh, involved in <laughs> three or four different podcasts, including Voices Behind the Game. You can have it all, just not at the same time. Uh, I've got a new aviation podcast called This Is Your Captain Speaking, which we we're our captain was late today, and <laughs> the other announcer was going to the jazz game tonight where my co-hosts for Voices Behind the Game all work at uh-huh. the jazz. So yeah. a little irony, we couldn't get that on. Podcasting is fun. Uh, health is fun. I had a brand new shoulder put in. You I, did. In fact, the last time we we got, yeah. or maybe that was the first time. I can't remember. But we, the second time we did the show was after your heart. Oh, attack. that was yeah. You did the. You, thank you again, by the way. My the heart attack episode. Well, um, I mean, you. <laughs> when you do a podcast with me, you're not. There's never going to be dead air. <laughs> and so that show, I actually interviewed you, and a lot of uh, people said they enjoyed that. Yeah, I got I got good feedback on that one. Yeah, I'm not a good guest. <laughs> well, I beg to differ. My opinion is you're a great guest. Well, I don't, I, I don't defer to that, and it, it just comes from doing radio. And ironically, when I first do, started doing national radio, Mikey used to listen to my show every morning when he would take his kids to the to the pool. So we're talking Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a national show out of Vegas. Oh, out but of Vegas, right. It was right. in on 140 cities. I was doing morning radio around the country. Nice. Yeah, it's a... It's a good gig as long as you can hold on mm-hmm. to it, and that's the hard part of showbiz. <laughs> but um, when you do your own show, you get used to kind of carrying things. So mm-hmm. I'm not the greatest guest, so I apologize. <laughs> no, you're, you're perfect. <laughs> well, I, I, I do change, you know, I, I change things up. But getting back to gratitude, we were gratitude. talking about gratitude. For um, the, what are you the, grateful for this year? Well, the um, podcast, I got that. Yeah, and, and, be, and being sober for another year is not the worst thing in the world. Being sober. Yeah, that's that's important, and uh, I'm going through some challenges with my home group. Okay, what's We're, going on? Well, there are a couple people who are really bad actors, and we have one guy in our home group who's a predator, and he literally goes after every woman of a certain age and tries to sponsor them and take advantage of them, and I would like to get this guy's thrown out, and there are a couple other guys who are bad guys, and what was interesting is talking to some friends at the AA central office, uh-huh. they said, you have to look at things from the perspective of a newcomer. And maybe the guy who is full of shit, been around for 30 years, will have enough gravitas with a newcomer, hopefully male in this case, mm-hmm. <laughs> that they can say something that will cause a newcomer to keep on coming back. Sure. So I know of the guy, all his fobbles. Yeah. And people can talk a good name game in recovery. Yeah. And you, so that was an interesting perspective. I still haven't gone. I was just got pissed off. You know, some people. I understand that. I mean, it, if you're there trying to scam women, at, there are, but that's also part of of the community. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's 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 probably one of the most dysfunctional or unhealthy parts of it, but it is something that happens, and there are going to be those people everywhere. But you're you're, yeah, and we both agree on this. But you've got a woman in there who's admitted that she's and very got a huge, vulnerable and very vulnerable. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it to me is just if you drive people away from a recovery program, yeah, you should yeah. be banished. Yes, of course. And and of course, one of the underlying issues that correlates with early recovery is the seeking of validation, especially from external sources. So you got some guy that's. You know, talking a great game, talking a great game. And to me, and there's another character who is, you know, been in recovery for 40 years, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't like anyone having to do with drugs being around AA. And that's complete BS. I mean, we're just you're trying to help people. And whether your addiction is a drug or such old guard, that's that's such outdated. You know, a mentality or But or, or sometimes view. these guys can drive people away. Sure. And every time he talks, I can see people with drug issues being uncomfortable and leaving. And those, those two things have kind of driven me away from that group. Now, fortunately, in my case, I've got our studio is right across the street from the central office. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm around 
that you know I've decided that's going to be my meeting until you can find another group but some people you know you you don't know I mean how many people do you treat a year personally well, well I have no idea I mean I suppose I could figure it out but um, I average eight to ten clients new clients every month um, in the residential uh, and um, what is the name of your recovery center the the one I work for is Wasatch recovery okay yeah and um, so I'm, I met one of your people the other day up at snowbird Oh, someone who helps out doing yoga and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I forget her name. Okay. <laughs> there are a few of them. Yeah, there, yeah, there yeah. Are a few yeah. Of them. But um, uh, so I, I'm going to, I mean, easily somewhere between 120 and 140 new new patients or new clients a year. Um, and then I have aftercare, which um, there's about 30 people in that group. And that... That the people coming and going out of that, so I'd say 150 to 160 people a year will be in recovery a year later. Um, that's a good question. I'm somewhere between um, 25 and and 35 percent, probably. Um, that that's probably about the average. Just it just depends, and a lot of it. I mean, it just a, there's so many variables associated with this. Um, you know as far as the family system and the family support that they have, um, how well they integrate into a new community. Are they open and willing to be, you know, vulnerable and, and show up? The, the, the couple of my mentors have always said it comes kind of down to a couple basic things. And the, and one of them, probably the top of the list, is honesty. <laughs> so your mentor said that being honest is the most. So we're it, we're talking about a cure rate of twenty five to thirty five percent. Yeah, somewhere in there for for people. You say in the first year, people that stay within the program, um, and but there are also numbers uh, that correlated to. Um, how long people stay in treatment. So those people that can stay within um, programming uh, some type of treatment for a year, their outcomes increase dramatically pretty quickly. So we get up to like 70, 80% within that people that can complete a year. The problem is most people that start it don't get through that far. So that's why we look at somewhere around 30% of the people that start treatment will stay in it for a, a full year. And that means residential, day treatment, IOP, and aftercare. So it, it, a taper down. But, but that the, the key component, though, of why people stay in is because they're honest with themselves. They're honest with their limitations. They're honest with themselves about their capabilities. Um, they're honest with themselves that that they um, are, are capable uh, of being vulnerable, loving, compassionate human beings. And that also includes being honest with themselves that um, there's nothing really you know broken within them, that they are enough. And that a lot of people struggle with that because either they have distorted, you know, beliefs about themselves that there is something wrong or, you know, there's a lot of shame associated with it, but they carry on believing that they can't do this. Sort of a learned helplessness, a victim stance kind of thing. The the stronger the victim stance or the learned helplessness is, the the worse the or the the lower the success so rates are. And welcome back to <laughs> Just another bozo on the bus. <laughs> and we were talking about Wasatch Recovery, and we happen to have one of our other hosts for the podcast, Let's Do Something Even If It's Wrong, and she is. <laughs> and Samantha is involved, is a yoga instructor and works with a specific type of yoga. And Paul was just mentioning that a big part of recovery is yoga and the ability to get in touch with yourself. Yeah. And so, Sam, what's your perspective in that? Well, you know, the, the, the thing is for me is, um, so in, in like, it's, it's kind of hard to like be vulnerable, but I appreciate for what you guys are doing right now is that I found myself sentenced to, you know, like six weeks of anger management classes because I like ended up with a domestic violence case against me, which was really wild and you wouldn't expect just to see yourself in that in that position but it was one of those like it was a drunken moment but I was like you know that false bravery and whatever you know and it just all took place and whatever happened and I got cited for anger management classes and had to step through those through those hoops 
but uh, and then in that time, like I got to see people's stories, mm-hmm. and it was amazing, like what people go through, and you can't really lay blame. Like when you hear about people's stories, you're just like, holy crap, if I had gone through what you went through, I would have been so much worse. Hmm. Like, you know, so it was like that compassion, like, and I think that's that difference. I'm not sure what you guys were talking about before I, like I came on set, but I think compassion is the key, which then uh, I was looking at these women when I was in my anger management classes and everyone had like a substance addiction, whether that was like drugs or alcohol, and uh, they were all beautiful women and they got dealt really, really hard cards mm. and it was just and like but it was kind of like hard so now we're all in the system and we get sentenced to these anger management classes but all that 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 happened was that they stood up for themselves in a really bad situation right which which is what happens i mean anger management is is the result of expressing our anger in certain ways that some people don't approve of and i mean there are people in anger management that are in there for you know for violent reasons, too. So mm-hmm. why did you end up in there? I'm curious. So uh, it's a, actually, it's a pretty funny story. It, it is actually a funny story. <laughs> but then it, but it actually leads me back to like, but it does get back around to the yoga, yeah. like what, what Trip is talking about. And it was, but that was like a two year journey, but it started at this one damn event. Uh-huh. And so my, uh, husband and I, we had separated. We we're in the throes of divorce. Everything is very, very heated. And you're worried about the other person moving on because it wasn't like everything was broken, but everything was very, very volatile. Sure. And, and a lot of upset feelings, he, I'm going to uh, guess. So yeah. upset. Yeah, right. So upset because it was just like you're looking at, at someone going, it could have been perfect. Hmm. Like it could have been perfect. Like, but what? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Like, and uh, and then it just escalates and escalates. And if you don't have that grounding thing, uh, and whether that may be going into nature or going to your church, but then for us, we were working so hard in a conjoint business, we threw alcohol in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like in just being like completely honest and so we could keep working because we could feel our stress levels rising and alcohol was an amazing way to keep it down so we could keep working. Hmm. And we we're working like an easy like 15 hours a day and with the right intention hmm. of providing, but you can't do that. You know, there. I, and you're doing this all in the middle of a breakup, is what you're saying. Uh, so we start. That led to the yeah, breakup. That led, oh, that led to the breakup. That led okay. to the breakup. Okay. And then during the breakup, there was just one damn evening, and Trip was my neighbour. This is why <laughs> Trip and I like our friendship is forged in stone. Forged in stone. <laughs> it well, is but it was stone. a. To be perfect, it was a great roundhouse kick. It, it was amazing. <laughs> and so then I it was like my night off. It was my night off. And so I met, like I'd been drinking tequila and I'd been having fun. And I came home at 11. And then I find my ex sitting in my house. And and I'm like, what in the world? Like, But my mother bear instincts are like, who has the kids? Who has the kids? And... He's just like, you lying bee, like... Oh, you can say it. It's explicit. Oh, you can oh say okay. Okay, you lying bitch. You have two phones. <laughs> like, I've seen everything on your laptop. And he's trying to run out of my house <laughs> with my laptop. <laughs> and he grabbed my spare phone out of my hand. So he had two phones and a laptop. And all I'm thinking was, where are my children? Like, where are my children? But it was his night. It was like, be with the kids. And so I Instead lose my shit. You. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I lose it. And then in that moment, and it was, you know, and this is what can get you in jail. It's like that one <laughs> damn moment. I said, 
fuck you. And so then I launched off the patio and grabbed him around the neck and threw him to the ground and we're fighting and then we're like it's like this scrambling pet like a, like I'm scrambling for the laptop and two phones and we're all over the place and but he manages to gather them all up and then I'm in this one sweet ninja spot <laughs> <laughs> and then from my knees I execute if you want to make a video, I can reenact this because it's a very proud moment for me. And I freaking roundhouse kick him uh-huh. straight into the jaw and I dislocate his jaw. Oh, okay. And then he says... <laughs> With a dislocated I, uh, jaw. You fucking bitch. You fucking dislocated my jaw. <laughs> <laughs> did you laugh? Then, did you laugh at that moment or not? No, it was like that awakening, still, that, yeah, that, yeah. that 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 super sobering mm-hmm. moment, and you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I did that. Yeah. I really just did that, and um, and then he's like. Fucking hate you, you fucking bitch. <laughs> and but he still gets like my laptop and both my phones, and I'm still like wondering where my kids are. And then I'm just like, I go back into my house and I'm, I'm sitting inside, and that's a very sobering moment. Yeah. And um, like, what do I do? Who do I call? Because it's like now eleven, eleven thirty at night, and then uh, the cops walk in. But I'm not sober, and <laughs> but I'm sitting there, and then uh, at the end of the day, like I got sighted. Yeah, well, because the of the injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It, pretty hard to, you know, Trump would try to argue that one down. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking this. You can't she, really argue with that. Can yeah, you? she, she yeah. hit my foot with her jaw, officer. <laughs> yeah. But, and I know, and they came into the house and was like, "So your ex-husband is saying that you, you you roundhouse kicked him in the in the face," and you're like, "Yes, officer." <laughs> 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 but so then I got sentenced uh, to. But you were not arrested that night. No, but my neighbours were like. I know she doesn't seem very nice right now, but she's actually a very good mother. <laughs> and it was funny because your neighbor was a guy who was about as odd as they get. He walked around the neighborhood without a t- just in blue jeans, no shirt, mm. drove an old car, and pretty much was the crazy neighbor. He didn't talk to Sam for a while. Yeah. Was this yeah. up in Sugar House? Yeah, this was in Sugar House. Yeah. 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 And it was just kind of like one of those things, but had... Um, alcohol not being part of that component, none of that would have happened. Yeah, but it allowed you to get into yoga, <laughs> which is where we started. Yeah, right. I don't know why so we came. Why we <laughs> it's been a long but, winding road. But we talked about Mike Tyson in our podcast earlier, <laughs> and so and then it was one of those like, but, but you know, like that that rock bottom feeling. Yeah. You do. I well, do. You, you actually do. Ironically, my friend acted as Sam's attorney, and his advice was go last. Go last. So yes. you got a chance to sit in court and see people tell their stories. Mm. And I'll never forget this damn story. So, like, I've got to go up there. And so what happened was I think I couldn't really understand that I did get sentenced to anger management classes. So I showed up to one and said hello to everybody and was just really glad that I didn't get beaten up. And then I didn't show up again. And then um, I was actually dating a police officer at the time. And then uh, Trip and I were going through the mail and uh, there was a warrant out for my arrest. And I was like, what's this for? <laughs> and Tripp's like, well, that means say that you're going to be arrested. <laughs> yeah, right. What's and the warrant like, there? No, it's like you didn't show up for these classes and I feel like people are not cognizant. Or you don't feel like you're in that spot. Sure. But you actually, you yeah. really, really are. Yeah, once the court tells you you're supposed to do something, they expect you to do it. Yeah, <laughs> 
and <laughs> yeah, it's I, not volunteer. Surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, surprise. No, but it's like, but it, like it, it's not like a really grounding thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, and how did you get out of that? I so we called a lawyer friend, and I, and he helped me get out of it. Like. Uh, no, so I went to class one time and I just truly didn't know the lay of the law. Like it was a complete innocent kind of thing. And also then there was another domestic violence case against me. And so then we had to like go back to court. I said, does the city of, of, of Salt Lake have a problem with this woman? And the judge was like, no, I never believed she'd do that in the first place. So I already asked Trip this question. I want to ask you yeah. a question. Um, what are, What are you grateful for for the year, this year? <sighs> Honestly, it like what I'm getting back to is breathing, like breathing, being able to do the dishes, and like actually just having arms to use to like hug on my kids like it's it's really that simple so I it's recently been the so that was December 2nd it was like the five-year anniversary so I have a, a brain surgery and and I'll never forget that so there's so much energy around this really really real and so this was brain surgery that could have had. No, I got. I was. I was asked to kiss my kids goodbye. Like I would never wake up from this brain surgery. Hmm. And uh, Trip was my neighbour. He didn't help at all. None whatsoever. <laughs> I had not met you. At, <laughs> yeah, we had. I, I'm yeah, just no, teasing. I, <laughs> I'm just so teasing. Yeah. Okay. And it was like this magical moment of so like I opened my eyes, like and I just felt all that amazingness of life like like breathing mm, in yes. breathing out tasting food whether it's changing a diaper doing the dishes like going slow mm-hmm. or listening to a girlfriend like complain about their partner like it's just all of it but we don't need all this stuff all you so you you it sounds like you were just like in, in embracing and enjoying just all the colors the fabrics the textures of life it just it feels like you yeah. reengage I didn't know you had brain surgery I don't don't brain tumor yeah brain tumor yeah actually that does yes I did know that yeah I think I you did, did. Know, I did you, know that yeah because I had had brain surgery <gasps> a few years before that and I think that's Susan Susan who's my daughter that's right. right and she had and she had said. You know, this is, Sam went through this, something similar. Not different different problem, yeah, yeah but a similar experience. Yeah. Well, anytime one would guess that you're, in a, you're going into surgery thinking that there might not be a chance to wake up, mm-hmm. that allows you to appreciate things. And wouldn't that be nice if you could go into therapy and develop that appreciation that you have after your brain tumor, mm. that you wake up realizing that this is all a bonus? And it is this, like, and you would have gone through this, right? I went through. So, what that. was your experience? Well, mine was a little. I didn't have a. I didn't have a tumor or, or growth like that. But I, I, had, I had vascular disease. So, my my experience at the time was, you know, I wanted to correct it because my quality of life was changing so rapidly. Um, it was affecting uh, my my. my uh, the ciliary nerve, uh, excuse me, artery had gone over. It was sitting on top of my cranial nerves, and it was firing them on all different times and places. So I was, I was, you know, my, I was getting facial spasms. I was beginning to um, lose my balance. Um, I lost my taste for a while. Uh, th- things were deteriorating at that point. So, I, luckily, we happen to have one of the best doctors in the world that, that specializes in this type of oh, surgery. Here. Neuro, like that is a podcast that I would love to do about the neurosurgeons or just the neuro sure. level at the U of U. They that, are that, that's where I had mine too. Yeah, that's right. And in a, in a in a strange way, because like I know that had I been in Tasmania, because my my tumor was growing for ten years, mm. that had I not been in Utah. 
I just would have died. But it's amazing. You didn't know that you had a tumor until you passed uh, out at a grocery store. No, so like back, like I actually, so I've always kept a sketchbook. And in my sketchbook around they that my MRI stated. So I actually looked at this photo and I can show you. Uh, so I drew a sketch of my brain and I drew a circle like right and I was like and I do a little arrow saying like my brain hurts right here which is exactly where my tumor was and but it but I didn't have my first seizure for 10 years later interesting do you think that affected your personality I I'm not as I'm not as sweet or as kind as I used to be and I can no longer look at videos of me prior to brain surgery because I miss her. Really? I miss I miss who I used to be. I really miss her. But I know I can't be her, so I, I just that was it was like a second death, you know? Hmm. And I and I grieved who I used to be. But this is you know that's another well, I, I've podcast. got some bad news. This is a great. No, we should. Do, we should. We'll do a podcast on this. This subject because I find it fascinating. It's I've been through fucking, it. It's so yeah. well, right. So you have been too. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I had some personality changes afterwards too. Yeah. I mean, not maybe. Maybe I, I don't want to compare them to yours because yours sound different and and um, more impactful uh, as far as the, the changes go but I, mine were more subtle and I, I, I felt much more malleable so I had more of a positive experience that you know oh <laughs> I can change anything I want but that you know about my brain at this point I mean some of it fantasy but changing belief systems and ideas about myself and but I didn't always know what to latch on to at those points. Well, you know, what part do I want to keep? What part do I, I want to let go? Sort of a heightened state of plas- neuroplasticity. Mm. And it it was confusing, but it also was kind of enlightening in some ways that, oh, I can change it's the way kind I think of just amazing. like that. Yeah. 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 So I am apologizing. I have got to run. <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting started. Okay, well, yeah, but right. let's do another one. Okay, well, well, we can. You, uh, we can do another one. We can do you, it. You could come down anytime we do Let's Do Something Even If Strong, typically on Thursdays. Okay. And come down and we'll piggyback. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's kind of fun yeah, to do something you're, that's you're, yeah, you're such serious a and a little smarter than our show. I know. The brain that changes itself. Yeah. Yeah, th- th- which is a big part of what we sometimes talk about on here. So, yeah. do, do you want to go out with anything for the year? Uh, we can each go around and kind of do our wishes maybe for the coming year, if you'd like. Um, let's wish that we have a new president who's not orange. <laughs> uh, be much better if we didn't have the existing vice president. <laughs> if the Speaker of the House, if Nancy Pelosi ended up as our president this year, that would be great. I see. I think more women in power would be something that would be the here, state here. of Nevada now here, has here. more female legislators than yes. male. Yeah. Mm. So maybe this would be a wonderful I, year for Utah's more. not far behind, right? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, <laughs> they're uh, the president of the church is a woman. I if, yeah, right. Uh, lesbian, not, lesbian woman. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right. But that would be a cool thing. And obviously, as you get further along. Um, the one thing you really want is health and to be able to do yeah. a year from now, do everything that I do now. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, tomorrow I have another day of hosting a snowbird. And oh, and that's amazing way to spend the way, a day. By the way, I had a crew of six guys from Boston Tuesday on a tour. And these are macho Boston guys, you know, tough guys. And mm-hmm. we were talking, I wanted to talk sports with them. And they were a bunch of pussies. They were going... On the chair, you know, you ride with different groups, and they're going, this is the most beautiful spot I've ever been. This is magic. And these guys are total wimps. I, huh. If I'd recorded that, I could have blackmailed them. But it was funny to see people. That was so funny. No, in, this in, place is breathtaking. It's it is. breathtaking. Yeah. And I tell Vita that all the time. We'll see someplace Ugh. amazing. And she is... Chris, by the way, what a douchebag Chris is, our fellow mm. host. During the Olympics, all he could do was complain about it. Never went to an event. I don't think it's ever skied, ever. If you live in Salt Lake and you don't take advantage of these canyons or oh the lakes gosh. or the desert. No, it takes you, like, it's more than the ocean for me. Like, cause I'm such an ocean girl. Like, grew up a, like, surfer girl. And the oceans do it for me. Like, you, you revere and you fear and you love and you ride. Like, 
there's everything and it's it's so complicated and simple and beautiful and takes your breath away and takes the like it it asks everything of you and, and it's funny when you live on the water that ritual and i was lucky enough to mm. live in kona we get it. so we get, get the sunset and our and hockey- I, I grew up on the water too okay yeah. so yeah. Oh, that's right, in connecticut yeah and that sunset ritual if you're lucky enough to have, or sunrise, or sunrise, yeah. that ritual is so important, and it can make your day. And it's funny how a whole community in, in Kona, right at sunset, five minutes before, the whole town stops. You just stop. And God, I mean, that is important. And here yeah. in Utah, we have the most amazing, you know. And I'm uh. lucky enough to work at Snowbird and. Paul's family with the clean air. <laughs> yeah, Paul's father-in-law was the dean of instructors at Alta for forty oh, years. Oh wow! And his wife works at Alta, and Her daughter works at Alta. Da- yeah, I mean the whole the whole crew, and we are so lucky to have that. Yeah, and it is like that pausing, like I, you know, I happen to get up really early and see the sunrise, and it just like let life just take your breath away. And it's not in the stuff, but it's just like simply being in it and, and connected. And a sunrise or a sunset are free. They are free. <laughs> you don't have to, regardless of your socioeconomic background, That's you right. can do it. But it was really funny during our previous podcast, Chris was criticizing the Olympics. And it's like, man, you've got to, you got to take advantage of that. When the world comes to Salt Lake City, be there to greet them. Yeah. It's pretty mm. wonderful. I was in school at the U at that time. So you got two weeks off. Three we weeks got off. Two, we got three weeks off of school, and we also um, were allowed to, to go to some venues. So you know, at the time, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about it. I mean, it, you know, what, what a lucky experience this was. But I was enthralled by the whole thing. I just thought it was remarkable. Even though this was after nine, shortly after nine eleven, so it was, there was still a strange vibe, you know, going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No yeah. question. And I remember nine eleven. We were over in uh, on Maui doing a scuba show and we had a whole crew we had two condos for the whole crew and someone woke us up at six in the morning saying we're at war so that was either 11 or noon in new york so it developed a long time mentioned this at while you're in hawaii which there, yeah. there was a war there <laughs> well and i went to the store and bought 300 dollars worth of food for the whole crew figuring we'd be stuck on the island which we were for a week and i walked out and two guys are smoking a joint and i go are you following the news and they go Fuck it. We're on Maui. <laughs> and, oh God. You know, I mean, here are the world is the Olympics. Where are we even going to have them? And, my, and they did an amazing job. So anyway, I apologize for cutting out. Samantha, you've been wonderful. Well, Paul is supposed to well, tell you that. Well, <laughs> Samantha, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. Well, thank you for, t- you know, I told the truth. Thank you and for uh, yeah, but there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. And I think in being real and I think in hearing other people's stories, yeah. you yeah. know. It helps. Anything, it, it helps. Anything that you hopes for the, the year is going forward? Yeah, I feel like I covered that before. And it's just like keeping with simplicity. Like, okay, so would I like to dredge all the plastic out of the ocean? Yes. Yes. You know, and do I want to eradicate plastic from my life? Yes. Like, do I want to be more involved with my children and make them more earthly honoring creatures? Yes. Like, there there are so many things. and But the things that I'm really thankful for is, uh, honestly, conversation. Mm. You know, with, with people that you, that you love and you pretend to hate. <laughs> Looking at that guy, I know I saw that. Yeah, yeah. and um, and it is that simple, and those things don't cost anything, right. like relationships and friendships and interaction, uh, everything. And um, and I'm excited and thankful for diving into that and not mm. shying away, like speaking your truth. And um, authentic people are the best. I want to be more authentic and draw more authentic people into my life beautiful so that 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 was so beautifully said thank you so much thank you this was how about what sam said yeah (laughs) okay that's what i'm saying what sam said that was so beautifully said he's not pointing at you yeah i'm pointing at you because i thought what i said was beautiful and authentic (laughs) 
<laughs> Fuck that. Okay. <laughs> no, it, it was too. It was too. Well, but, who is more authentic? <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me let me flip a coin. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who, Sam authentic? was coming in for wine. Mother Teresa, who was waiting in the green room, she came <laughs> in to get some more wine. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and neither neither of us is, is Siddhartha either. So. Okay. Right, okay. Though we're working on it, right? Yes, we're we're are working on it so um (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny so in in all in all loving and compassion uh way um yeah i'm i'm hoping uh that uh sam and i are such assholes we don't give a shit what paul wants (laughs) we are so motivated by you asking us the question it's like one upping each other yeah doesn't even know who his daughter is. <laughs> yes, none of us, you know, a normal guest would say, Paul, and what would you like in the next year? And we don't no, care. No, no. <laughs> no, okay. All right. Okay, let's let's retake it. Paul, whoa, we don't. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like, Paul, I, I want, tell, tell I, us I, all I want, about it. I want world peace. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. No. The, the, I want to actually keep doing what I'm doing. I want to keep doing more of this. Uh, but bad podcast. Yes, because I want to agree with what you said about communication, about showing up and being in people's lives, about being willing to be vulnerable. Because that's really what it's about. Even if you can have fun, uh, there's, I mean, being being uh, sarcastic or rude or um, you know aggressive in these kinds of situations or assertive, maybe is a better way to put it. That I think is fun. But it's oh, also so it's also a way to be vulnerable with people because they get to see all of our colors and stripes and yeah. not to hide anything, which is kind of what I, I really think is important. So, yes, let's do more of this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're yeah. wanting to help people lay down their shields. Exactly. And take the mask are. off. Yeah. Let the armor down. Put the sword down. I love let's it. Let's just show up and be honest with each other. Okay. okay? Thanks, guys. Great night. Uh, we we do have one more podcast this year, I believe. That's uh, it's a bozo roundtable, and then uh, we'll see you guys next year. Thanks, thanks, Trip. Thanks, right. Sam. Okay, amazing. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Oh, we'll go out as we usually do with little Joan Osborne. <laughs> See